welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 18th of April 2010, entitled, Cast Thy Burden, and the Bible reading is Psalm 55. Here's Pastor Russ Iverson. To Psalm chapter 55. Psalm chapter 55. We'll begin reading from verse 1. Psalm 55, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me, and hear me. I mourn in my complaint, and make a noise, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him, he hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days but I will trust in thee. We take our text tonight in verse 22, but uh, if you have a highlighter, it would not hurt to highlight verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. But that's a message for another time. But verse uh, 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. We have here a situation where that 
an incident where that David has been betrayed. But yet in the midst of betrayal, there are these wonderful words of truth. Cast here is an imperative. It is a command. Cast is shalak, to throw out, to hurl, to cast away. Burden here is yalab. It is uh, that which is given. It is a lot. It is a burden. It is that which is ours to bear. And here is a command to take it and to, to throw it out, to hurl it away. But then we see where that we are to, to hurl this burden. And uh, up, uh, upon here is uh, all, over, upon, or against. The Lord is Jehovah, the eternally self-existent one who reveals himself. But why uh, throw our <coughs> burden over onto the Lord? David goes on and he says, he shall sustain Shall sustain as appeal imperfect. It speaks of a repeated, completed state of action. Cule is to keep in, to hold in, to nourish, to make provision, to provide sustenance, to maintain. And it is Nehemiah who used this very word as he prayed and he reminded the Lord of Israel's uh, 40 years in, uh, in uh, Sinai. And we see back in Nehemiah chapter 9 and uh, verse 21 in another one of the great prayers of the Old Testament. Nehemiah is praying and he prays, Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing, and their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. Uh, I, I could really empathize with that. I'd love to be able to go a day that my feet don't swell. And uh, But they forty years they're marching around in the desert of Sinai, and, uh, and they lacked for nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. Fashion designers today would have a real problem. I mean, I guess you, you go and you pay 150 pounds for a pair of jeans and somebody's already taken a knife to them and shredded them. But uh, wow, clothes that don't wear out. And their feet did not swell. No holes in the bottom of their shoes. There was no need. What they had remained. And it was uh, well serviceable. And, it, and uh, uh, their health did not fail. Their strength did not fail. Wouldn't that be neat? Go for 40 years with the doctors being unemployed because they aren't needed. But then he says he shall never. He shall never. Uh, never hear his low olam. Lo, lam. This is significant. Lo is the absolute negative. No, not. And it's in the emphatically forward position. Olam means literally concealed. It is the vanishing point of time. It is eternity. It is time out of mind. Our blessed Lord, Jehovah, who is in the eternal present, by an act of His will, will not for all of eternity... Suffer the righteous to be moved. Suffer is nathan. It's the verb to give over, to yield, uh, to suffer, to uh, permit, to allow. 
Righteous is sadiq, just or righteous. Moved is moved. It's to waver, to slip, to shake, to fall, to be carried or to be cast out of course. David is rejoicing in the security that is his in the Lord. But how can this be? In Psalm 56, 13, David writes there, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. The Lord has has snatched away. He's delivered. He's rescued. He's preserved his soul out from. Mavith is death. Hades, pestilence, ruin. David does not have to fear eternal death. Let's consider, if you would, with me, some precious truths in Psalm 121 that build upon what we have here. In Psalm 121, let me read this psalm. I love this psalm. Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by nay, day or the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee thy, uh, from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth even forever. And I, I, I cannot, this is free, it's not in the notes, but I cannot read uh, verse 4 without thinking of Elijah on Mount Carmel and Ahab and Jezebel. And they had them a big ministerial assassination there that day. And, uh, and the 400 priests of the groves and the 450 priests of Baal were all summoned and they built their altar and they had their sacrifice. Then they did their offerings and in desperation they jumped up and down upon the altar and they were cutting themselves and shedding their own blood for sacrifice. And Elijah... Bless his heart, he's an Old Testament Baptist. He sat back there and just had a rejoicing good time. And he said, hey, perhaps he's out chasing around somewhere. Or maybe he's sleeping. By contrast, our Lord, who is our security, never slumbers, never sleeps. Whenever we come over here. I have a little helper that sits in the back seat. And all of a sudden, I'll hear this soprano voice peeling out, Dad, are you sleeping again? And, uh, no. But that's not as firm a no as here. Our Lord is always alert. Is always on call. He is always there. He never slumbers or sleeps. He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. This is not a question. In some Bibles, there's a question mark there, but this is not a question. 
Psalm 121 is titled A Song of Degrees. It was sung as the Jews ascended Jerusalem for the required temple feasts at least three times a year. And uh, he says here, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Lift here, or hills here is har. It's mountains or it's a range of hills. And he says there from whence, men ayin. Men is the preposition from or out of. Ayin is whence. And it tells us that here is the source. Here is the source of help. Ezer is aid or help. It comes from Azer to surround, to protect, to aid, to help, to succor. David's help comes from the eternally self-existent one who never slumbers or sleeps. It comes from the one who made the heavens and the earth in verse 2. And there made is... Asa. But it's the same word for made that we read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 7. Genesis chapter 1, verse 7, And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. Here God fashioned from that which he had just spoken into existence, the material that he had created ex nihilo, out from nothing. And he takes this material that he's spoken into existence and he begins to fashion. He begins to make like a carpenter. He begins to frame. But consider, if you would, something else that uh, caught my attention as I was looking in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 12. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 12. There's a tremendous verse there, and it says, He hath made the earth by His power. He hath established the world by His wisdom, and hath stretched out the heavens by His discretion. Let me just take a stroll down this verse for a minute or two. Here the word made is the same one that we have back in Psalm uh, 121, or Genesis, excuse me, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 7, made a saw is to make, to finish, or to furnish. It's a word here that he is doing his carpentry work out of what he has spoken into existence. Earth here in, uh, in uh, uh, verse 12 and uh, let's see, I've lost it here. Jeremiah 10, 12, he hath made the earth. Earth is eretz, earth. It talks about the planet, the land, and uh, <clears throat> it's the word that is used for the earth in Genesis chapter 1. But it says here he's made the earth by his power. Power there is kuach, and it is vigor, force, means, ability, might, power, strength. And the thing that's he interesting here, it is the word that is used for inherent strength as an attribute. He's able to make it because of who he is. He is Almighty God. And he goes on and he says, He hath established the world. Established is kin to erect, to set up, to establish, to frame. 
world is tibel. It's a different word from eretz, and it's the, uh, the earth as inhabited, the inhabitants, the established world order. And it tells us that when God set things up at the beginning, there was an established order that sin devastated. Wisdom here is chokmah. And I had fun with this back years ago when I worked my way through the first few chapters of Daniel. But chokma is wisdom, it's skill. It is an inherent attribute when it's used of God. And uh, we can see this, matter of fact, we can see it personified back in the book of Proverbs. And uh, turn with me a, a moment to Proverbs chapter 8. And, uh, and uh, because in chapter 8, wisdom actually is a person. We see in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 1, Doth not wisdom cry? And understanding put forth her voice in chapter 8 and verse 11, for wisdom is better than rubies and all things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. 8.12, I wisdom, I wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. We see in chapter 9, verse 1, wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. Chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And uh, wisdom, really, when it's personified there, we're talking about the, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was from all eternity past with the Father face to face in one heart, one mind, one purpose. Uh, they were in perfect accord and agreement. They were forever together. But it is the, the Lord Jesus Christ who reveals God the Father, and He is wisdom as manifest unto us. We find here back in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 12, and he said, By wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens uh, uh, by his discretion. Stretched here is not hard. It's to stretch or to spread out or to bend away. And uh, the heavens, shemaim, it's plural, the, the visible celestial heavens that we can see above us. You know, and, 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 and I don't know if you've had access to them or not, but uh, uh, on the Internet you can see on a regular weekly basis the, the latest downloads from the Hubble telescope and a couple of others that are way out there in the outer space and the things that, that they, they download and they, they, they put out to, to, to look at. And, now the Scripture says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And you can see the wisdom of Almighty God, and it's, it's, it proves the fact that He is the one who, who spoke the heavens into existence and who by the breath of His mouth has put out the stars out there and on display in the heavens. And, uh, but he's, he's done this, uh, it says here, uh, by His discretion. Discretion is tabrun, intelligence, reason, skill, understanding, wisdom.
The very wisdom of God placed those stars where they are. We're told elsewhere in Scripture that they are there to provide the light by day and the light by night, but also to provide a means of navigation and of marking time. But yet it is this God. It is this God, the Creator. This world did not evolve This world is not, as we see it, this creation, this universe as we see it, is not something that happened by chance over multiplied billions of years. It is there because of wisdom. It is there because of personal might and strength and power. The Lord put it here. And it is this God who by the word of His power spoke it into existence out of nothing. And who by his wisdom put it in place and framed it. He did that for us. But it is this very God who made the heavens. As we see here in Psalm 121, verses 2 and 3, David says, My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He goes on, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He will not suffer, will not give over, will not yield, will not uh, suffer. Thy foot to be moved, moved as motives to, 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 to waver or to fall. But notice something else in Psalm 121, beginning in verse 3, on into verse 4, down into verse 5, verse 7, verse 8. Let me read those again. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. He shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth even forevermore. In verse 3 we see the verb keepeth. In verse 4 the verb keepeth. In verse 5 he is the noun, the keeper. In verse 7 he shall preserve twice. In verse 8 he shall preserve six times. We see the word there, Shomer. It is to hedge about with thorns. It is to guard, to protect, to attend, to preserve, to keep. And this is what the shepherd does for his sheep. Here is the coat of the sheep, and the only way in is over or through the shepherd. And it points directly to our blessed Lord in the great sermon that he brought on the great shepherd in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, our Lord says, beginning in verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. We see in verse 7, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. Let me stop here. He's talking here initially to the sheep of Israel. But then he says he has sheep of another fold that he must bring. Folks, that's you and I. That is us, the Gentile bride, that he must bring. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about two becoming one. And there you have no longer Jew and Gentile, but you have a whole new race of people, and that's Christian. But he goes on. And he says here, One fold, one shepherd, therefore doth my Father love me. He goes, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay down, lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This command have I received of my Father. This is free. It's not in the notes. But stop and think. How did we get into the status quo? How did we get into the mess that we're in? For by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Adam disobeyed. The Lord Jesus Christ is the second Adam. He obeyed. I love that verse. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I like to rest the Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I like to say, for the Son so loved the world that he obeyed. Where we failed, he obeyed. He gave his life, and he has the power to take it again. This command have I received of my Father. For the Son so loved that he obeyed. He obeyed the command. But notice he says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. 
Here is the code of the sheep. The only way in is over or through the shepherd. Where is the ultimate coat? It's in the nail-pierced hands of the Savior. One that you got saved, you are sheltered in the very hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his hands are in the hands of the Father. How long? How long does he preserve us? Back in Psalm 121 and verse 8, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Even forevermore. Ad olam. Ad, ad is the preposition of extent. As far as olam is concealed, it's the vanishing point. It's time out of mind. It is eternity. From as far as eternity, you can't get any more secure than we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. But where is the source of David's help? He says in verse 2, My help cometh from the Lord, from Jehovah, from his Men, em. Men is out of or from or part of. Em is with. It comes out from or it comes with Jehovah. He comes with the Savior. Our security comes with Him. But notice something else he says here. The second part of verse 7, it says, He shall preserve thy soul. There's a blessing here that we don't see readily because there is a word that in the Hebrew text that is not translated in English. And it's the word eth. It is a particle of intensification. Were we to translate it, uh, we would read it as even. He shall preserve even thy soul. He shall shamer. He shall hedge about even thy soul. But consider then what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Peter writes, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Pasan ten manim non immun. Epi ripsamentes ep auton ote autu mali peri umun. Pasan is the accusative adjective, all, every, or the whole. It is the direct object here of the verb. Ten marimnan is the uh, direct object as well. It's the article and noun. It comes from maritsu, to a part, to a portion, to divide. Ten marimnan then is uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the care of the distractment. Really? It's that which divides our minds. It's that which divides our minds. 
Epiripsontes here is the aorist uh, active participle, a simple action prior to that of the main verb. Epi is upon, and riptu is to fling. Epiripsontes is to throw upon, to cast upon. Uh, ep then is the preposition upon. Auton is the direct object here. Him, who. In verse 5 and 6, Peter talks about that there. Uh, likewise, uh, let me see. Go back here to 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6. He says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We need to come to him in humility. Confessing the fact that the burden that we're carrying, we're not able. And take him at his word and cast it upon him. Because the God who gives grace to the humble, the God who resists the proud, the God who lifts up, the God exalts. Well, he tells us why. Oti atumeli. Odi is the causal conjunction for that or because or since or seeing that. Atu is the uh, indirect object here with him. Mele is the present indicative of contemporaneous action. There is interest. There is concern. It matters. It matters to him. Peri is the preposition about or concerning or respecting. Literally, it's around. He cares all around us. The moon is the plural, two personal, personal pronoun pointing to Peter's readers, us. He cares about us. But notice, this Lord, He's interested. He's concerned all around us. But Peter points us back to Psalm 121, where the David said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Help there is Azar, to aid, to help. It comes from Azar to surround. In a very real sense, the Lord desires us to give him the nod, to lift our eyes to him, to look to him for a reason, that he may surround us, that he may surround us. And we have precedent for that in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Israel was in trouble and was about to be invaded. But Elijah kept betraying the plans. And so the enemy sends a, an army to capture Elijah. In 2 Kings chapter 6, picking up in verse 8, the king of Syria 
warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God had told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Assyria, excuse me, the king of Syria, was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy out where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he hither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city round about. And when the servant, the man of God, was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant saith unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? The city is surrounded by Syrians. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Folks, we know the Lord Jesus Christ. When the troublesome times come, when the burdens come, and uh, when we're so far down in the slew of despond that we look up and all we see is darkness above and around us. He that is with us is greater, far greater than he that's with the enemy. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Elisha was there when Elijah was taken home to be with the Lord. Elijah merited one chariot of fire to take him home. But here Elisha has been doing God's work, and Elijah, Elisha is surrounded by the entire Syrian uh, first mobile infantry division. And everybody thinks that they're outnumbered and their days are numbered. And Elijah says, Lord, open his eyes. And the entire Syrian army is surrounded by a host of fiery chariots from heaven. just like the sheep goat that we talked about over in John chapter 10. The servant of God will never find a more secure place than the perfect center of God's will for his life. You're in the perfect center of God's will for your life. You are being kept in the very palm of those nail-pierced hands. John chapter 10, picking up again in verse 7, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the shepherd of the sheep. 
All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus is the coat. And if we are faithful to him, we take the burdens to him. We cast them upon him and let him carry them. He carries us in the center of his nail-pierced hands. You know, the first time I ever went north, I went up to speak in Darlington. Or not Darlington, up in up up uh, up uh, up uh, oh goodness, up by Menwith Hill, uh, Harrogate, and I marvelled at the fields hedged in by stone walls and the sheep, and it was breathtaking. And I thought, how secure until I saw a fox jump the wall. I thought, hmm, not very secure. But when we're talking about here Christ being the great shepherd and we're talking about the sheep coat, he's gone out and he's gotten the Jerusalem thorn and he's built a circle of Jerusalem thorn, however broad in diameter for the sheep to come in. And he's built it up rather high, but the Jerusalem thorn is about six inches of razor-sharp spear all down the branch. You'd be a fool to try to jump it, to try to go through it, to try to move it. And there was only one opening. And the shepherd lay down in the opening. All kinds of pain to get to the sheep. They're secure. But we're in the nail-pierced hands. And he says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Or in the nail-pierced hand. But the nail-pierced hand is in the hand of the Father. And something that is not mentioned in this text, but if we honestly know Christ, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You cannot get any more secure. And that is how he knows our hearts. That is how he knows our thoughts. That is how he is able to pray for us when we hurt too much to be able to pray for ourselves because we cannot frame the words. And he prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. But these hands are the hands of Christ. And the indwelling spirit is there at Christ's bidding. He sent him. 
He appeals to us, intercedes to us on behalf of the Savior, and he intercedes with the Savior on behalf of us. When the trials come, when the burdens come and they get heavy, when the burdens weigh like a black and anchor. I did a study one time because I was there when the Missouri was recommissioned back under President Reagan. And I've always loved that ship. And I taught a Sunday school class on the security of the believer in trials. And the passage talked about the anchor. And I did some real research on the anchor, the bow anchor on the anchors on the battleship Missouri. The anchor in flukes is 58 tons, but each link in the chain is over 250 pounds. When it goes down, there's no stopping it. The point being when the burdens get heavy, when they weigh you down like an anchor that keeps on going until it reaches the bottom, remember whose hand we're in. Remember whose hand. Remember how strong. Look up to the heavens and see what that hand put on display and how great and powerful that it is. And at the same time, remember how gentle those hands are. That they touch the beer of the son of the widowed Nain. That they reached out and lifted Peter's mother-in-law back from illness. Those gentle hands that touched the leper. Those gentle hands that touched the eyes of the blind. Are the same hands that spanned the heavens. The same hands that were nailed to the cross. The same hands that cuddle the believer. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. There is where you really reach out and touch. Father, thank you for the precious promises that we have in your word. Thank you for the greatness of the God that we serve. Thank you for the greatness of our Savior. Father, thank you that hands that are so great and so strong, hands that, humanly speaking, grew up in a carpenter shop, but they're the same tender hands that offer more comfort and more security than the down and the bottom of a nest that are there strong enough to build the coat that the wolves and the bears and the lions and the adversaries of this world cannot penetrate to get to the sheep. Father, thank you that David was reminded 
I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. He looked to the house of God. He looked to the God of the house. He looked to that one that the temple pictured. He looked to the Son who took upon himself the seed of Abram that he might pay the price that we owed. Those nail-pierced hands are our comfort. Those nail-pierced hands are our cradle. Father, might we avail ourselves of them in time of need. But better yet, Father, might we walk hand in hand in our daily life, daily yielding ourselves to him, submitting ourselves to him, relying upon him, calling upon him, in fellowship with him. Father, if there be one here tonight that does not know this Christ, that does not know this shepherd, that does not know the sustainer, that does not know this peace, this comfort, might they avail themselves of the opportunity tonight to meet him and to get it settled. Father, work your perfect will in each and every heart, in each and every life. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the thanks in Jesus' precious name. For he alone is worthy.